This is Transistor with your host, Velvet Steele. Transistor, the show about trans folks, for all you folks who want to know, because I know you do. journey makeup makeup applications hmm watching 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 I know when I was a kid I was always fascinated by what my mother was up to I would always stand there watching her doing her hair doing her makeup doing her nails doing her toenails shaving her legs all those simple little things that you know We all watch as little kids, girls and boys, watching mom get ready and seeing her become this beautiful swan that you always knew your mother was. And uh, I was very intrigued by all that stuff and wondered what it was all about. And of course, I always found myself getting into her stuff and playing around with it and never really getting caught because I was able to wash it off. At least I thought I was able to wash it off before she came home. And uh, one of the things that I thought that would kind of be funny, and this is how I got caught was a nail polish. If that was so pretty on the nails, why couldn't you put it on your face? Well, there I was. I put that shit on my lips. And oh, wow, that was not something fun to do. That didn't come off. It burned. It was horrible. And uh, needless to say, that's how mom found out that I was getting into her makeup and playing around with all that shit. And, uh, you know, of course, mascara, trying mascara, getting it poked in my eye trying the lipstick and breaking the tube, um, breaking it as it came out of the tube, all these different fun things. And then trying to, I remember this as a kid, trying to stick that stuff back into that tube, thinking that she would never know. Uh, No, mothers always know. And especially when there's something, you know, she goes to twist that tube and up comes the lipstick in this crunched, mushed form. Yeah, no, it didn't work out that well. And I remember one thing that I always used to do as a kid too was chocolate. It was fun to melt that stuff on your lips and pretend you were wearing lipstick. And uh, I remember getting that stuff all over the bed sheets one night, too. It was just like, no, yeah, you think chocolate bed sheets? Shit. No, that's not what it was. But it was chocolate. And I had it all over my lips and thinking, oh, I look so cool. Needless to know that I fell asleep and got it all over the bed sheets. And needless to say, mom was really quite pissed off the morning after. But I loved watching her put on that stuff. I totally did. And generally what it started off with was putting rollers into her hair. And she did this every day. And I watched this going on until I was about six, seven years of age. And then I guess the curling irons came into play, the electric curling irons. But she'd put those rollers in her hair. She'd put that plastic cap on. She'd put that blow dryer that attached that plastic cap on and started drying her hair. Next thing up on her list was her foundation. And I watched this meticulously go on for hours. At least I thought it was hours, and probably she had it down to pat to about a 5-minute to 20-minute trip. But anyway, it was foundation. Then from the foundation, she'd do her cheeks, she'd do her eyes, she'd do her mascara, and then she'd do her lips. And that's not unlike what, you know, I find myself doing today as well, is doing the hair, the foundation, the cheeks, the eyes, the eyebrows, the mascara, and then the lips. It's fun. The things that we remember, things that we do, and things that we take as a routine. Translation The art of the past Makeup application Mm. I bet most of you are thinking makeup application 
Well, what's to talk about with that? Well, it's not as easy as it looks. It certainly isn't for most people that are starting to transition. Um, the same applies to cross-dressers out there. There are a lot of them out there, and there are a lot of them like to wear their makeup. And one of the things that you sort of learn early on is about beard growth and facial hair. How do you cover it? What do you do with it? Well, for those who have facial hair, um, a lot of them are into plucking. They even get into bleaching that facial hair. They even get into putting on, yes, on their face, depilatory creams. You know, neat, nair, those different things. And what they do is they melt that hair off. Can you imagine that shit on your face? <laughs> I don't think so. Burn, 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 burn. That's what it does. Trust me, I put it on other areas of the body and it burn, burn, burns, burn, burn, burns. And, um... Yeah, I've even had that shit on my ass before. Mm-hmm. I've even put that on the asses before. Well, that's another thing that we're going to talk about in Transonic sometime down the road. But uh, yeah, so you got to have to deal with facial hair. And if you're not one of those ones who's either plucking, waxing, using a depilatory, or even bleaching it blonde, chances are you need to get out there and need to figure out what it's all about. Well, you start off with a foundation. And Max Factor put out this one that's really, really great and still very popular, and it's a pan stick. And it's really thick, and it covers over any beard growth. Well, I know a lot of individuals who actually still get into using that, even when they don't have facial hair. Start off with that to cover over the darkness, the beard growth, and then get into the eyes, and then using the eyes and the powder. A lot of them don't realize that you should use a powder over top of your makeup. Well, that was one thing that I learned earlier on. And uh, thank God for being a hairstylist as well. It's all helped me along the way in learning makeup application. Plus, I also went to school for it. So it's not something that you just learn overnight. And it doesn't come that easy. It's difficult. It's hard to do. And if you're not practicing or doing it every day, chances are you're not going to get it right. And I can stress the whole idea of using a makeup brush. You don't want to get your fingers in there and take it, you know, for example, eyeshadow. Put your finger in the eyeshadow and then smear it across your eye. doesn't work that way because you have to take into consideration contouring and shadows and shading to bring your eyes out and make them look much more prettier. You don't want to have masculine eyes. You want to feminize your eyes. And then from that, your chances are you're going to put on some false eyelashes. Yes, false eyelashes. And they're not necessarily easy to put on. And you certainly don't want to get no big nubby fingers into your eyes by putting that on. So you're going to use tweezers. And tweezers are going to help you position that on your eyelash after you've curled it with a curler. An eyelash curler, it's a woman's best friend. Gets those lashes pointing upwards, makes them look fuller, more lovely, pretty. Um, people even go to great lengths to perm their eyelashes, believe it or not. Yes, they do. They perm their eyelashes. But on top of that, then you put your false eyelashes after you put a little bit of glue on and then mascara them into your own eyelashes so they blend in for a little bit more of a stronger look and then you've got your eyebrows yes you're going to do your eyebrows so you're getting in there and you're trying all that and you're treating your eyebrows and you're plucking and you're waxing and you're threading threading as well is a lovely thing and then shading and painting and brushing your hair up to go in the direction you want Hmm, have I scared you off yet? Yeah, it's a big process to do your eyes and your makeup and everything else like that. It doesn't stop just there, because once you've got your eyes and your foundation on powdered over top and your eyebrows done, chances are you're going to want to put on a little blush or something on your cheeks to bring your cheekbones out, to give you a little bit more shading and contouring, to make your face a little bit more feminine. No, and I'm not talking about Raggedy Ann or Andy red spots on your face here, little doll looks. No, I'm talking about 
a brush and your foundation or different shades of foundation to actually tone your face and make your cheekbones stand out and give you some more shape and feminized shape. You can even take that stuff and brush it under your chin to actually make your chin a little less prominent. It's all exciting. It's all fun stuff. And it takes practice. Yes, it does. And last but not least is your lips. And if you're one of those kinds of people who actually got hair above your lip, well, chances are you're going to want to wax that off or you're going to pluck that off or you're going to shave it right down before you actually do your lips. Because you know what? A man's lips generally aren't that full as a woman's lips. They're straight. They're more angled. Angled is one of the terms that we used in hairstyling to define and design what we were going to do for haircutting. And we did that by taking a look at the face and seeing if the eyes were more rounded or angled and the nose were more pointed or rounded, softened. Because soft looks actually feminize better. So if you don't have lips, an upper lip or a lower lip, you're going to have to paint those on. And you're going to do that by using a lip liner to start off with. Yes, a lip liner. And that's usually in the form of a pencil. You're going to go with a little darker color. You're going to make your lips fuller on the upper, fuller on the lower if you don't have any lips. And then once you've done that, you're going to paint with lipstick. Whether you want it out of the tube or you want it out of the pot or you want to use a lip brush, it's all up to you. See, it's not as easy as it looks or sounds. Transitions. Cosmetic tattooing. Mm. I bet most of you are thinking about tattoos in the regular way that most of us think about tattoos. On your arms, on your legs, on the small of your back, on your chest, or Japanese Yakuza full body tattoos, things like that. Tattoos that are done with the gun, as they call it, the needle gun, or tattoos that are actually done with bamboo shoots, or tattoos that are actually done with metal needles and done by hand. Mm, sound like fun? Sound painful? You bet it is. It hurts. When people ask me about my tattoos and they ask, does that hurt? <laughs> does a fist in the face hurt? Yes, it does hurt. And if you ask me why I keep doing it, I don't know. I like it. But, you know, that's the original way of doing a tattoo. That's the original form of tattoos. Well, they kind of morphed into doing something else. And now they're doing is they're tattooing eyebrows. They're tattooing lip liner. They're tattooing eyeliner. And I've had my eyebrows done. And the reason I did my eyebrows was to give a little bit more of a fuller appearance on the outer corners because I don't grow hair on the outer corners of my eyebrows. It's very blonde. It's very fine. And I wanted to sort of bring my eyes up and out by accentuating them with my eyebrows. And having that done isn't the most pleasant either. The needle is quite a bit finer than what you would get with getting a regular tattoo on your arm or anywhere else on your body. Those needles are thicker. They're a little wider point. But the needle that you're getting to get a cosmetic tattoo done with is seriously thin and fine. Um, I guess picture a, a fine wire that you would have when you're going to get, say, electrolysis done. That's what it's like. And it feels, if you're not having numb done or numbing any agent done, you know, MLA or something like that, or even a Novocaine kind of topical anesthetic, it feels like someone's cutting you with a scalpel. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It hurts like hell. And having my eyebrows done, I have to say, in retrospect, was one of the best things that I ever did because I really enjoyed it. But I had to go back for a second one because it does scab over a little bit. And being on the face, the skin is a little bit more sensitive and isn't that receptive to color in that area. So you have to go back for a couple of repeated applications. And one of the ones that uh, I haven't done, but I know people who have done, is eyeliner. Eyeliner tattooing. 
What that ends up doing is creating a more dramatic look to the eye. It can also bring the eye out and things like that. But a lot of people are actually leery and scared of actually getting in that close or having someone come that close to their eye with a needle. Yes, a needle. Don't forget, that's how they apply tattoos. And it hurts. And you're not really going to get in there with too much in the way of a topical anesthetic because it's just too close to the mucous membranes of the eyeball, just so you know. So you have to put through the pain and deal with it. And then once you've got the tattoo done, your eye is going to scab in that area and it's going to flake and then it's going to itch. No, I'm not trying to dissuade you from getting it done if you really want to do it because the results are really beautiful and they look really good. I do recommend, though, that most of you out there, if you don't want to go for a dark brown, stay away from black because uh, black can actually be too dramatic and you don't want to necessarily wake up in the morning with your full makeup on, do you now? One of the other things that people are doing as well is tattooing their lips. Now, that's one of the areas that you can actually numb and it's actually advisable to do it. If you're doing anything with your lips, as most people know, they're very sensitive. So when you're getting in there with, as I said before, a seriously fine needle that feels like a scalpel, numb those lips. But don't go for anything. My suggestion, dark red or anything like that. Get a natural. Fill your lip. Create more fuller lips. You can go on the bottom. You can add it to the bottom, to the center part of the lip on the bottom, or to the upper points underneath your nose there to make them a little bit fuller or fuller through the sides. And that's generally why most people are getting their upper lips or lower lips tattooed, is to create a fuller lip if you haven't opted for something surgical or anything like that. Trust me, it hurts, but it looks really good. <laughs> Transonic. Because I like to think of myself as supersonic, but no, really, this is about my life as a professional dominatrix and having fun, learning the ropes, using the ropes, doing different things to different people. One of the things that I uh, learned about, well, a serious fetish that most people have, well, actually, in particular, guys, is dressing as women. I wasn't exactly sure of what that meant and what that was all about when, you know, the whole idea of cross-dressing was happening in my day. We were watching shows on Geraldo Rivera. Ooh, if anybody knows who Geraldo Rivera is, you're probably laughing right now in your shoes. I think his biggest claim to fame or idiocy was when he thought Al Capone had a secret safe downstairs. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. But I remember watching one of his shows when I was younger and I was sitting there watching, thinking there was something different and wrong with these women. Well, it was about cross-dressers. And uh, yeah, I get a lot and got a lot and still get a lot of requests for guys wanting to come over and be forced feminized. What's that you say? Well, it's where I tie you down and force you to put on lipstick. Mm. Apply it across that face. Slip on a pair of nice pantyhose because, well, if you're not going to let me shave your legs, chances are I'm going to slip on a pair of pantyhose over top of those big ass hairy legs of yours. And I'm going to have to put on a couple pairs of pantyhose because, you know, you like those silky smooth feeling that pantyhose give and makes you feel that much more sexy, doesn't it? I know it does. And that's where it started from there. And once I always get the pantyhose on, chances are you need something around your waist because if you're sitting in my place, you've probably got a beer belly, don't ya? And I'm going to put a corset on you and I'm going to make you look that much more feminine by giving you a nice sexy waist. Mm, so now you got the pantyhose on, you've got corset on, you're getting even that much better, but you don't have any tits. Let's get you some tits. So I'm going to put on a nice bra. And I have a bra that's padded beyond belief with nice rock hard tits. You think I'm going to put something nice in there? No, I'm going to give you the cheap ass tits because I want you to be my cheap slut. 
Mm-hmm. You heard me. Everybody that gets dressed up as a woman who comes and sees me, all oh, you guys out there think that the ultimate woman is a cheap slut. Well, if that's what you want to be, I'm going to make you my cheap slut with nice, dirty, whorish lipstick, nice blue eyeshadow, lipstick that is so big that you look like you're Joan Crawford's cousin. Yeah, I bet some of you don't even know who Joan Crawford is. But anyway, look her up on Google because you'll love her lips. She's got big, big, juicy, full lips. And if I can get away with it, I'm even going to paint your nails because it's not up to you. It's up to me. If you're coming to see me as a crossdresser, I'm going to paint your nails and I want you to look like every bit the bitch that you're going to be. You're going to be my juicy little slut, aren't you? Because that's what you all want to be. Well, did you forget about the shoes? I didn't because I've got really nice high shoes and I've always put on nice high shoes on my guys. And you know, that was one thing that I learned earlier on was that you need to have seriously high stilettos on. The kind that, well, no, you can't walk in them because I'm going to sit back and I'm going to treat you like the model that you should be. And I want you to walk tall and straight with your shoulders back, your chest out, your stomach in and your head held high. And you're going to walk around that room for me with those shoes on that are so bloody high that you can't even walk properly or straight or even think straight. And I don't give a shit because that's what I want from you and that's what you're going to do. And then I'm going to play with your hair because chances are you might not have hair or you've shaved it bald or you actually are bald but I want you to have long, luscious locks. The kind of locks that are going to brush across your shoulder, across your back, and make you feel really good when you're walking around in those heels, those pantyhose, that corset and bra and makeup, because you are a cheap little slut. Did I say that? Mm Mm-hmm, because you want to be my cheap little slut. And many of you probably want to get out on the street and make me some money too, don't you? As a working girl, I know that because you tell me that and that's what I want you to do. And after we've got the walk and the shoes down pat, suddenly you've become a lesbian, haven't you? Oh my God. And I guess we're going to see what seems to pop up from there because, well, as you all like to call it, your clitty, your big clitty has suddenly got really big and really hard. Well, I'm not going to touch that, you dirty bitch, because you're a cheap slut. So you're going to work that clit for me, aren't you? Because I want to see what it's going to do. Transformers. Fun stuff. Yes, you heard me talk about how you're all cheap sluts, you guys out there that come and see me wanting to dress up, and your big clitty getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and how are you going to work it for me? Well, I'm going to talk about something right here, and it is called sheath vaginas, better known as the fake pussy. Mmm, fake pussies, you're wondering, huh? Yeah, they do exist, and they look like a pussy. And they come in a multitude of shapes, sizes, and colors, some with hair, some without hair. You what, you think that they all look the same? No. Have you ever looked at the big book of vaginas? They all look different. They're all not the same. Like the big book of tits, the big book of breasts, the big book of penises. They're all different. There's all different kinds out there. So anyway, they now have these on the market that you can actually go and get them to be that ultimate woman that you really want to be. And they're made out of latex. Some of them are made out of silicone. And some of them are actually made out of plastic. But the ones that I like the best are the ones that are made out of silicone because they feel real. They look real. They look really good. No, you can't have sex through these things. These are just a cosmetic thing that you put over top to make yourself look and feel like the ultimate woman. But yes, you're going to have to tuck. And what does that mean? 
It means you're going to push your cock back between your legs as far and as hard as it can so it's nice and smooth. And your balls are going to follow suit too if they haven't already gone back up inside you because that's where they came when they first dropped down when you were a little boy, when you were a little kid. Your testicles, balls, nuts, whatever you want to call them, drop down through those tubes. And most of those individuals who are seasoned dressers, shall we say, using those fake pussies, those vaginal sheaths, they... um know how to put their balls back up inside their body. Yes, I know a lot of you guys out there are probably crossing your legs in pain and wincing and thinking. And some of you are probably actually opening up your legs wide and saying, oh, I wonder if I can do that because I want to get one of those things too. And if you are interested in getting one of those things, well, there's a place called www.michaelssalem.com and they have amazing ones there. They're fun. Have a look. And yes, they're going to range in price from anywhere from 20 bucks up to the deluxe Cadillac model of $300. Hey, whatever floats your boat. If you want to get it, get it and be the ultimate dirty slut woman that you know you want to be. I know I can tell. Transmissions. News from around the world. Some fun, some not so fun, some just plain interesting. I'm going to start off with the first one here that I came across that I thought was quite interesting and quite fun. Anyway, listen to this one here. An iPhone app that helps transgendered folk find neutral toilets. Huh, an app. Okay, who knew? Transquat is not a lovely name. Allows users in US, Canada, and the UK to avoid embarrassment by locating the nearest safe restroom. A new smartphone app aims to help transgender people find their nearest gender neutral toilet. Okay, this name kind of kills me anyway. Transquat allows iPhone users with GPS to search, add, and share nearby safe locations with other people. Powered by Safe to Pee. <laughs> um, the app lists 4,000 locations across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. According to the U.S.-based National Transgender Discrimination Survey, 22% of trans employees were denied access to the gender-appropriate toilet at work. The Transgender Equality website claims many in the transgender community face embarrassment, stress, and threats when using public restrooms. The website also claims refusing to go to the toilet can lead to health problems such as urinary tract infections. The tract the app is available to download now for $2.99 in the app store. And uh, as much as I giggle a little bit reading that story there, it is kind of true trying to find a washroom where you feel comfortable in. And you know what? This doesn't just apply to trans folk. I know a lot of straight people, gay, bi, whatever, men and women who prefer not to use public washrooms for whatever phobia or reasons that they have. And a lot of us share similar phobias and things like that. And I personally, I like to use the washroom at home or, you know, private kind of things like that. I'm not about washrooms in public. Next up, transgender candidate makes history in Florida, of all places, Florida. You know, we've got, don't we have the bushes running down there or whatever the hell? Anyway, the nut bars. Hmm. Gina Duncan is making history for being a popular transgender candidate for the Orange County, Florida Commission. Transgender candidate Gina Duncan is making historic bid to be elected to the post of Orange County Commissioner in Florida, USA. If If Democrat candidate Duncan is to win the race against incumbent Ted Edwards, She'd be the first transgender person to hold a public office in the southeast of the United States, as reported by The Advocate. Here's a report on Gina's political aspirations from the local Florida Fox News affiliate. 
If a woman running for county commission wins, she would be the only, only the third person like her ever to hold public office in the United States. So what makes her so different? Fox 35's Chase Kane explains. It's a day many people would just stay inside. In fact, most would never even get in to what this woman Let's do this. is attempting. I'm Gina Duncan, running for Orange County Commissioner in District 5. Gina Duncan may not be like any woman you know, but she is the woman who wants Greetings. to know you. How are you, sir? Everywhere we went, people did not know who their county commissioner was. And you know, that's crazy. Okay, well. You know, people should know who their elected officials are. I uh, wanted to stop in and introduce myself. From store to store along Park Avenue and Winter Park. Hello, how are we doing in my favorite store? Gina talks business, money, the economy. Good, I would appreciate your vote on August 14th. And her resume shows she knows her stuff. Senior management in banking. 30 years in the banking industry, the last 15 years with Wells Fargo. And then I retired a couple of years ago and opened my own small business. So I've seen the challenges of small business owners and, and you know, the, how to succeed and that it's really tough. Have you gotten any negative reactions from people when you're talking to them one-on-one? -on -one? Sometimes. Sometimes, you see, because Gina was born Greg. Gregory Pinkston of Brevard County. I come from a huge family. I have two brothers, two sisters. We all had two kids. And my family is absolutely the definition of unconditional love. You had you have two kids. I have two kids. I was married for 25 years, and I have two grown children who are succeeding and and just doing wonderfully. Gina lived 50 years as Greg until 2007 when that changed permanently. It really all boils down to being happy and being your authentic self. I'm stopping in to introduce myself, okay. give you a little information. And by being authentic, you know, you, you leave that baggage at home and you can you can flourish and you can you can you know be energized to get up every day and represent the district. And represent the district is exactly what Gina intends to do. Busy Constantly campaigning in the oh, final days before she could make history. In the southeast, I will be the first. And so what would that mean to you if that happens? You know, that would mean a great deal to me. But it also means a great deal that the community is embracing diversity and they're embracing, you know, social equality for all people. A celebration for every vote promised in a campaign that isn't always like walking on sunshine. With a district that stretches from Maitland and Winter Park all the way past Bithlow, covering more than 40 miles and more than 100,000 voters. Gina knows this won't be an easy election, especially facing an incumbent that's been in office for a decade. The focus should be not on my gender, but should be on the issues and the concerns of, of the families of District 5. Gina, when is the point that I don't have to ask you that question anymore about being transgender? When is that not a question? Well, you know... I often speak to a lot of college groups, and I conclude those speeches with saying that I hope someday, and maybe not in my lifetime, but someday, that being transgender means no more than being right or left-handed, and I hope that happens soon. 
Chase Kane, we're off Fox 35 News. Nationwide, there are a couple of other transgender candidates on the ballot this year. A state assembly seat in Nevada and a city council post in New York City could both be held by transgender candidates. For more information on Gina Duncan, you can visit her website at electginaduncan.com. And I just want to add to that as well. I don't know that's a question that's ever going to stop being asked, as I did an earlier podcast today for Kat. And uh, she asked the same thing, too. And that was a question that I really couldn't truly properly answer. In our lifetime, maybe it would happen. People should just be happy with people as the way they are and whatever they want to be. And that's all it boils down to. And last up on this one here, Britain's Oxford University rewrites ancient dress code for trans students. Students will now be allowed to wear the ceremonial dress code of either gender to exams breaking a centuries-old tradition. Oxford University has rewritten their ancient academic dress code following concerns it was unfair for transgender students. Under the new regulations, students taking exams or attending formal occasions will now be allowed to wear ceremonial clothing appropriate for either gender. As of the 4th of August of this year, candidates at the top British university can choose whether to wear a suit and white bow tie or a skirt, white blouse and stockings for their exam. The motion was put forward by the committee's LGBTQ officer, Jess Pumphrey, who said the change will make a number of students' exams experience significantly less stressful. She told the Oxford News student newspaper, in future there will be no need for transgender students to cross-dress to avoid being confronted by in Invigilators, invigilators, or discipline during the exam. Another one of my words I was unable to pronounce. Ooh, known as subfusk, the dress code date back to the college's origins in the 11th century. That's a long time. If a transgender student previously wanted to wear subfusk of their preferred gender, they had to seek special allowances from the university's proctors, who had the power to punish those who broke the rules. An Oxford University spokesman said the regulations have been amended to remove any reference to gender in response to concerns raised by Oxford University's student union that the existing regulations did not serve the interests of transgender students. In 2007, the university asked its students to vote on whether to scrap subfusk entirely for exams. The response was 70-30 in favour of keeping the tradition. Simon Webb, the Oxford University's LGBTQ SOC president, said... This is an extremely positive step and indeed long overdue. I'm of the opinion that it is possible to keep elements of tradition in this way while making them unrestricted to trans students, genderqueer students, or students who wish to wear a different subfuss to which they'd ex be expected to wear. Oxford is known for educating notable alumni such as gay writer Oscar Wilde, actor Hugh Grant, as well as 26 British Prime Ministers including Tony Blair, Margaret Thatcher, and David Cameron. Pretty cool, huh? Now I just want to share with you as well, there's a website out there that I also want you to have a look at since I don't have any transcriptions for you today. But I would encourage you to go to www.bellamado.com. And why I want you to go there? Because all the models are trans. And it's quite a fun, campy little venture. And also, with one of my other talks previously of the woman who actually had injections into her face by the quack in Florida, and that was my last episode last week, uh, you'll see her there. And she's doing quite well with her treatment and her facial revisions looking pretty good. Listening to Transistor with your host, Velvet Steele.